Thinking and you're listening to Thinking Off-Piste, a podcast for adventurers. We share inspiring stories from professional mountaineers, skiers, boarders, bikers, climbers and hikers who have gone against the grain, abandoned their comfort zone and found success through their dare-to-be-different attitude. Thinking Off-Piste is brought to you by Maybe Ski, a Whistler-based adventure ski company creating bucketless ski trips across the globe. If you're looking to get off the beaten track and away from the crowds, head over to maybeski.com to discover what lies beyond your lift pass. This week, I'm catching up with an adventure athlete and ski instructor, Emily Scott. Emily is a multiple Iron Woman triathlete who's also a member of the British Adventure Collective. Recently, she climbed all 282 of the Scottish Munros in one round trip. The expedition, which took 120 days, involved covering 2,200 kilometers on foot, cycling for 2,600 kilometers, and a total ascent of 195,000 meters. So Emily, you were working as a chartered accountant. What sparked the big lifestyle change? Um, I think it's one of those things. It wasn't like one single, like I had a terrible day at work and I was like, oh, you know what? I quit. I'm going to go become a ski instructor. It was more just kind of um, a lot of things that kind of built to it and built to it. And, you know, I think there was definitely an element of perhaps not feeling, um, I guess, hugely maybe hugely engaged in my job um, as an accountant. And, um, but I think it was more kind of about like the kind of lifestyle things. And I just found myself, you know, kind of every weekend I was driving up to Wales, up to the Lake District, even sometimes up to Scotland, like, you know, just to get into like proper outdoor spaces. And, um, and you know, I was kind of doing like, going out on my bike a lot, like doing a lot of kind of triathlons and that kind of thing. And I think it just kind of got to the point that I was living for the weekend so much that I was like, you know, something needs to change. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I think in terms of like a few specific moments, there was like one where one of my friends sent me a, a link to an adventure race in Wales and basically was like, oh, I want to do this race. Like, do you want to join? Like, do you want to be on the team? And I basically clicked on the link and was like, yep, sign me up. Didn't really realize quite what I was signing up for. It was, uh, it turned out to be quite intense, but a good, a good learning experience. Um, what was the, what was the race that he had like, uh, um, asked you to join out of interest? Um, so it was called Itera and it was in Wales. It was part of the Adventure Racing World Series. Um, so it's back in 2014. And so it started up in Carnarvon, up on like the northwest coast of Wales. Um, and then it finished down in Cardiff and it was kind of over five days or something. Yeah, like so we started, I think, nine o'clock in the morning on the Monday and we finished at five o'clock in the morning on the Saturday and we had wow, slept for a total of six hours and <laughs> like I mean yeah it made me understand why they use um, sleep deprivation as a torture technique because like we all hallucinated and stuff during it like it was crazy I was totally convinced that there was dragons in hedges like totally that's convinced <laughs> that's so funny um what do you see so like you just said dragons in the hedges what's the feeling of sleep deprivation can you describe it oh I mean it's quite it's a really odd one to describe like I've kind of pushed myself to that kind of limit another couple of times but yeah it's just when you're like you're hallucinating and you're like seeing something and you're convinced that it's there but also part of your brain is like 
obviously it's not better you're hallucinating like just get on with the job in hand and just like, um, but yeah I mean I was convinced I kept seeing dragons in the hedge there was like one eve, like one night that we're cycling along and it was so cold I remember it was like I mean it wasn't freezing but it will definitely have been kind of you know like five six degrees and and also we're absolutely exhausted and when you're that tired you know you feel the cold so much more and yeah, and I was convinced that I just kept like looking over at the hedges and just seeing <laughs> dragons, and I'd be like, "Oh, there's another dragon," and I'm like, "It's not a dragon." Full body experience with visuals, I love it. That's so good. So <laughs> one you of were... the boys kept seeing sharks in the road. That was the other one. <laughs> so you got sharks and dragons, amazing. Yeah. So you were doing this alongside um, working a full time job then, or was this yeah, after? Yeah. So th- no, that was um, yeah, that was kind of the last summer that I was yeah when I was still working um, full time, and then yeah, so kind of I spent quite a lot of that that whole kind of spring summer season was like building up towards this race, and that's part of why you know I was going up to to the Lake District and stuff like. Two of the guys on my team were based up in the lakes, so I kind of would go up and spend. I mean, the first time I met them both was. Uh, when I'd driven up from London on a Friday evening and like, I think I met them at about one o'clock in the morning and, uh, you know, then we just like had a weekend where we were out mountain biking, hiking. That sounds like, like perfect fun though. <laughs> it was, Amazing. it was great. <laughs> um, and you did seasonal work too. What kind of summer seasonal work did you do? Um, so I've spent two summers working in the Alps where I've been on like the same job both summers actually that I was working on like a camping and hiking trips um, so they I mean they take two two weeks and it's 10 days of hiking um, and basically the clients like it's so one of the routes that we work on is the Tour de Mont Blanc um, so it's a circular route around but basically I was in a support role so I'd drive the van around and move everyone's bags and um you know, pitch the camp at the end of each day and buy yeah. the food and cook the dinners and stuff. Um, nice. It's pretty social shall, work. Chalet girl on wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did chalet girl um, work for a few years. It was good fun. Uh, kind of wish I had wheels though. That would have been great. Um, <laughs> so how have you been keeping active and sort of strong-minded through COVID? Because it's a bit of a oh. big lifestyle change, really. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I have really. Like, um, yeah, I mean... I- I don't know I'm sure like everyone you know like I've definitely had like ups and downs with it and at the start like in the first lockdown we were actually really lucky like stayed in Switzerland um and Switzerland went into like state of emergency like a week before the UK but the lockdown there was never as kind of as tight as it is here and especially you know we were in Zermatt so it's a mountain community and you know yeah all the lifts were closed and stuff but actually then the weather was amazing there were still a few of us around and we could still be yeah exactly like the first kind of few weeks we were literally just because it's so weird at the start as well we didn't know what was going on we just sat on the balcony and drank beers I'm not surprised um, that would have been great which which was great but then it starts to get to the point that you're like right actually you know it's still expensive being here and uh um but yeah I mean I've got so I've been back in Scotland since August and I think to be honest like this current like phase of restrictions I've found it a lot harder than like the previous ones and just yeah like um I guess kind of December and January you know it's obviously it's really short days and then I was doing quite a lot of work like I do because I still kind of do some accountancy work so I was doing quite a lot of tax work um and then I just I literally just wasn't going outside so now it's so I, bad it's so dangerous isn't it you and then you the just I mean I get into like a proper downward spiral and I'm just like so this month I've been like basically I was like I'm gonna try and run 5k every day in February which doesn't sound like much and I know like 
previous incarnations of me would have been like 5k every day come on you can be better than that but honestly like, that's been hard enough to do and yeah. I've, missed, I've missed one day so far but um you've done pretty well then that's good kind of yeah we live really close to the sea so that's like if I can't have the mountains like the sea is yeah. quite a good kind of alternative it definitely makes a difference like I mean I've definitely found you know it's just kind of making the effort and going outside and going onto the beach even for like 10-15 minutes is like oh actually you know yeah, but there's been a lot of Netflix and stuff as well, let's be yeah. honest. I bet they've made a fortune through this. Oh, they must have done. <laughs> so you're a member of the British Adventure Collective, which is like a collaboration of UK athletes who ins- explore and you inspire others to get outdoors too. And recently you embarked upon an adventure climbing all 282 of Scotland's roads, which are their mountains with heights of over 3,000 feet, um, which you did completely unsupported. Uh, called Project 282. Tell me a bit about this trip. How far did you travel by foot, bike and kayak for the expedition? Um, yeah, it was, uh, so this is summer 2018. Um, and I mean, yeah, it was awesome actually. Like I kind of, so I lived in Scotland for a while before that and started kind of climbing Munro's like kind of at weekends and just in a bit more of a normal way of doing them, I guess. Um, yeah. And I think it's one of those ideas that I didn't really like, you know, I wasn't like thinking about, I really want to do a big trip or anything. It's just kind of like, it was slightly there in the back of my head, just kind of forming itself. And yeah, I was kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to like climb all the Munro's. And then I was like, oh, it'd be cool to kind of do them all like together, you know, as one, one big trip. And then once I started thinking like that, I was like, you know, I'd like to be self-propelled. And then I was like, oh, you know, I could like ride my bike between them. And um, I mean, with hindsight, I mean, maybe if I was doing it again I don't know if I would necessarily bring the bike along because actually having the bike meant I had to do all my routes on foot always had to end in the same place because I didn't have anyone moving the bike so it's a lot of circular routes um so you kind of like cycle up park up or dock up do the Munro and then you have to return to your bike to go again yeah exactly and so in some places I think um you know and sometimes I'd maybe be away from the bike for four, five, six days even. And I mean, I had one that I basically ended up doing quite a linear route and then having to trudge back, back. Like oh. half a marathon along the road just to get back to my bike, which That's was a bit so frustrating. That's so frustrating. Um, a little bit screwed us on if like your bike just wasn't there when you did it. Yeah, <laughs> I actually had two, I had two occasions that I got back to my bike after, I think it was like five days in both cases. And one time I had a note that somebody had left on the bike being like, did you mean to leave your bike here? It's like, yes, I mean, it's oh. quite, quite fair locked to a tree and um but yeah and they they kind of said in their note that they were going to report it or something but then I had another one that I got back to the bike and I actually had I like as soon as I got to the bike because it was I had panniers on it at this point and as soon as I got back to it I was like someone has been in my panniers and I was kind of like oh what have I left in there and you know it's kind of like my plug socket and my like um solar power bank or whatever and like not much and maybe you know jar of peanut butter or something but there was actually uh, a note in it from the police like from Fort William police being like can you just call this number whenever you get back and actually I think it was just you know somebody had obviously seen the bike it's in an area where there's lots of hills yeah. and then the bike was still there and they'd obviously reported it in case it was you know in case I was like a missing person out in the hills yeah fair so, enough fair enough um, and yeah I, I called the police and they were like oh yeah we were just just checking in that you were okay and it's good that they do that at least yeah um, my friends nice. my friends just moved to Scotland and she docked her bike up somewhere I think she was actually just going to work and she came back and someone had like oiled all her tires and stuff and just left a little note in on the back of the bike like it's kindness day priest like spread the love do some, do a favor for Aww. someone else and she was like well i've been doing my wheels every day but i obviously need to prove my technique because i haven't done them very well <laughs> but it was quite a nice thing anyway yeah that's um, so nice how long did your trip take you overall 
Uh, so it was 120 days. Wow, that's amazing. So that's yeah, like so almost nitty. four months. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's a long time on your Just, own. Yeah, yeah. How much, solo, how much solo traveling have you done before that? Um, I mean, not, not much. Like, uh, I mean, I guess I kind of, I'd been to places on my own. Like, I guess when I was, what, a 19, I went to Australia um, for like five months, kind of doing the like the gap year thing between school and uni. Um, and I went out there on my own. I don't know. It was one of those things like I kind of, I've been out and done hill days on my own and stuff, but I'd never done anything to that scale before. You know, I'd never done anything that was like longer than a week before. So it was quite yeah, a... It's really cool. Yeah. Tell me about your training for it then. How did you sort of physically prepare yourself? Or did um, you? Yeah, I mean, it's quite... Yeah, I think I generally just kind of try to keep a good like base level of fitness and like um I'd been I did a ski season before that and I'd kind of yeah I mean I knew I was going to do that in the summer so I'd certainly been maybe doing a bit more ski touring than I perhaps would have done otherwise um but I wasn't yeah I wasn't really training specifically for it and I think it's really hard to train specifically for something like that because it's such a big expedition like realistically I was training myself for the last week of it with the preceding three and a half months kind of thing I guess triathletes in general like that kind of background does enough to equip you for it because your like long-term health and endurance is already pretty high yeah I yeah I think that that definitely helps and I think you know kind of having the mix of the hiking and the biking it's kind of at least you know you're kind of getting a bit of difference and uh but I mean yeah certainly like the first three weeks were a bit of a baptism of fire and I was like you know my body was kind of like what so we're just spending all day every day just going hiking and cycling and I was just starving like the whole first oh three weeks God, all yeah. I could think about was food I was like any food I can get it what in my kind belly. Of, what did you eat on the trip like what were you actually eating to keep your strength up Sticky toffee pudding. Nice. You're not the only one who said that to me. I spoke to a lady who was the first person to cycle to the South Pole and she she said that she has sticky toffee pudding too. Oh, so good. I mean, I literally, I was kind of, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of when I was camping and like just the stuff I was carrying with me, like a lot of like instant noodles and um, porridge sachets was probably my go-to and then like snacks during the day whilst on the hill. Um, and, you know, maybe I'd make a loaf full of sandwiches of like peanut butter and cheese or something but um but then yeah anytime I got to a pub it would be like ah right sticky toffee pudding macaroni <laughs> cheese like yeah. something like something carby get that yeah <laughs> how about your like mental preparation what were you doing to sort of stay sound I mean yeah like I think I mean we kind of touched upon our triathlon and stuff I think kind of doing those kind of things before definitely helped and um so I decided I think I probably committed to it about the November before and I was up in Scotland and I went and did a few like a few hill days up in the Cairngorms in the November before and I had some really savage weather and nice. actually I think that was great because I basically was like right okay kind of throughout the trip after that then I was kind of like ah, oh, well yeah today's a bit rubbish and a bit wet and a bit windy but hey at least it's not snowing like that time in the Cairngorms or at least it's not you know like it was kind of like that was pretty good actually yeah to have yeah, sort just, of worst case scenario with weather that you can mentally rely on as like a something to fall back and give yourself perspective almost yeah totally and then yeah I mean I think uh, I mean in general like I'm quite happy in my own company and stuff so like I didn't really get particularly lonely and certainly at the at the beginning like I had I was really lucky with the weather to start with um and like the far north of Scotland is just phenomenal. Like the scenery and stuff is just incredible. And especially if you get it in good weather. And so I was just basically like every day being like, oh, 
this place is amazing and I was just like having the best time just like you know and I'm like great I'm just like I just get to be out here in the hills just like frolicking around in the hills yeah, you know I love, I love that um what aspect of the sort of adventure appealed to you the most and what were you the most worried about before you set off um I think what appealed the most was just kind of the opportunity to actually like go around and like properly get a proper sense of Scotland and a proper feel for like, you know, like the landscape that I was traveling through and, you know, like just kind of being able to see so much of like, I've, I've been totally in love with Scotland for years anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of the opportunity to like move through the landscape and properly feel like, you know, kind of connect it all geographically. And there's something that, by virtue of kind of traveling there under my own steam like I'm kind of so much more connected to the environment than if you just kind of drive there and climb a hill and then drive home again and like I mean even now like kind of well when we could travel a little bit more kind of back in the autumn time I was going you know did a few hills again and you know we'd like drive up to them and I'll be like oh I locked my bike there <laughs> I cycled along this road and stuff and, you a bit know, more like emotionally like, attached to it in a way yeah totally totally um and then in terms of things that I was like most intimidated by I guess like I think I mean to be honest at the start like I didn't I didn't have a clue if I could do it like I was kind of like yeah I mean I think I could probably you know as long as I don't get injured I just have to kind of keep going and um but I mean there were definitely some of the hills were a bit daunting like you know kind of the more kind of uh ridgy scary like you know you're kind of grade two scrambles or like yeah so like the hills like the the black coolins on sky for example like they're they they pack a punch like they're not they're not very high but they're definitely you need to be careful you mentioned the views can you like help paint a picture of like the landscapes and what the sort of, what kind of nature did you just like come across or discover um yeah i mean uh, Is it just, it's just open and rural yeah and like kind of sometimes i would be surprised like you know like because the thing with scotland like you get this real sense of like wilderness, even though realistically, I don't think I probably would have ever been more than like a day's walk from a road. But like there were certain times, you know, in certain hills that you can be at the top of and you can like look around and you can see for miles and like you can see, like you can see out to the sea, you can see the islands, you can see like the other hills and stuff. And it just like goes on and on. And sometimes you don't even see any touch of any other people or you might see like a speck of a person on another hill, like a few hills over and that might yeah. be it. And you might see deer, you might see like golden eagles. Like I had some like yeah some pretty cool encounters with wildlife like that's awesome and I bet the fresh air as well that's just one thing that you don't get anywhere else like for example London's just so foggy with pollution Um, and then the skyline as well just like the stars can imagine yeah I mean and just like yeah I had some evenings that were like there was one instance I was on like a a big day down um, in the fish field so that's kind of yeah in in the northwest and I mean it's just phenomenal around there and that's like some of the really remote ones and um, yeah like I was doing like this quite like quite a big hill day and then I ended up like I was still up in the mountains like as it was kind of getting dark and there was this like beautiful sunset and all the clouds are kind of coming in the valley below so there was like a cloud inversion and so there's like this whole like layer of clouds underneath me and I was just on the peaks above it and then the sun went down and like I mean just the colours for sunset and stuff it was just incredible and then the moon came up and just like yeah it was like this just sea of clouds with these like mountains that just kind of poking out over it and like I actually just kind of like sat down with my camera and just like I 
I think I actually fell asleep up there for a bit. Like I kind of suddenly like three hours had passed <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, it's like three o'clock in the morning. And then like kind of finding my way down, I then like went into the cloud and then it was really wet and grim and not very nice. But I mean, it was just, yeah, amazing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to do that. Were you, how many days were you like physically actually exercising for? Were you every day or did you take any days off in between uh, so i had three days that i didn't do anything so i had yeah so 117 days that i did that's mad something. um but i mean there were a few of those days that you know i might have only say cycled 10k or something like okay. i think i think i should have probably checked my spreadsheet but i think i've climbed monroe's on 100 days i think it's like it's quite weird because like it wasn't planned but some of my numbers just ended up being really nice and like round numbery and That's i think so it was funny. 100 days of actually climbing monroe's um but yeah i mean there were some times that i had quite beefy cycles to do and stuff and yeah. yeah other days that i might have just like you know i can think of one day that i had i probably did 30 odd k on foot but i didn't actually do any monroes that day that was just kind of a getting out from the hills and getting back to my bike yeah it's pretty quite nice to sort of vary it as well just like take chunks on foot take chunks on bike take chunks just like doing different i guess like yeah definitely and then just kind of how some of the hills link together you know there's some that you know it makes sense to go and do a big kind of multi-day and you know tick off a whole load of hills and other times it's just like I'll just park my bike here nip up that one come back down <laughs> yeah. cycle along go up another single need one a little flag for the top of each one and <laughs> um, was there sort of any aspects of the trip that you just were not prepared for at all um that completely took you off guard um I think I was quite surprised by how hungry I was like genuinely yeah. like especially at the start like I ate so much and I think I um yeah I just probably didn't anticipate just like how much food I was going to eat um and then also I think like traveling with a laden bike like I totally underestimated it like I kind of had um so at the beginning I this is definitely not how I would advise doing it if anybody was doing a long distance trip like that but I basically I started off with a trailer um and I was like road bike in a trailer which isn't a great combo anyway um and it was just so slow and I had Aww. so much stuff with me and like I remember like the first like few days like you know cycling up these hills and like some like so on the ordnance survey maps if there's a chevron on the road then it means like on the map then it means that the road's going to be over 10 percent gradient and i basically knew like if i looked at the map and there was a chevron i was like well i'm going to be oh. pushing my bike up this and i'd be like <laughs> sweating my way up these hills like pushing my bike with this trailer like, the like last you want, yeah. <laughs> yeah um so yeah the trailer wasn't great i then eventually like i then got rid of the trailer and then i moved on to having everything in my like 65 liter expedition back like pack on my back which was also awful like probably even worse it was terrible um, oh no I mean really like quite painful and then I got panniers and panniers were like a much better idea but what are I panniers should... so, so I had like a, a rack on the back of my bike like over okay. my back wheel and then these two bags that clipped on oh yeah like yeah. a saddle for it exactly <laughs> and then I was able to like I put my like my tent over that as well and stuff and it was much better it's funny though because I had initially like when I was planning the trip I'd like thought about panniers first of all and then I'd ruled them out because actually when I was uh, studying when I was doing my chartered accountancy qualification in London I used to have panniers on that bike that I use yeah and I had like with the weight of all my books in it I basically snapped the pannier wrap that I used to have so then I was Fair like enough. oh 
I can't use panniers. Start that off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But actually, I got a different type of pannier wrap that went through the like the wheel axle, and it, it worked fine. So nice. but it took a while to get that get to yeah. that iteration. And you mentioned you like your appetite and always like constantly wanting to eat. Did you ever get to any point where you were sort of rationing your food and almost ran out, or did you manage yeah. to keep yourself stuck? Did you? Oh no, because <laughs> that's like yeah. the best source of happiness when you're constantly exercising. You just don't want that to run out. Yeah, no, I had a few times. I had those one occasion. I think it was probably my first big like multi day that I was away from my bike. That I think I'd thought I was going to be away for five days. And basically, if I was away from my bike, like, I'd kind of always be slightly in a bit of a calorie deficit on those. Yeah. And then when I was getting back into like places where there were pubs, and I just would eat as many calories as I could, basically. Um, but yeah, I think that one I planned for five days, and then there was a like a name storm hit, so it was Storm Hector, and um, I just ended up kind of. Basically, there was a bothy that I knew that I could go to and I kind of changed my route. So rather than doing four Munros to a bothy, I did two Munros and then went off route to the, this other bothy and kind of like spent the night there because the storm was wild. Um, and then it's just like on the last day, actually, that was the day that I said I was walking out. I did like a 30k walkout and I just I ran out of gas on the last morning. And so I just didn't didn't cook my breakfast because I still have porridge and I just I, was, I can't be bothered to have cold porridge. That's just a bit yeah, gross. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> But I met some really nice people about kind of 20K into my day and they gave me a Twix. It was the best Twix I've ever had. So good. <laughs> I love that. So you mentioned bothies. Can you describe what bothies are to me? What do they like to stay in? Yeah, so I mean, they're basic, like they're really basic shelters. Um, so generally they're kind of old like crofters cottages or like fishermen's cottages and stuff. Um, and so, I mean, basically what you can expect is it to be weatherproof. Um and the size of it totally depends on what was, you know, what its initial use was. So some of them might just be literally like one room. Some people find them a bit like spooky and stuff. And I can, to- <laughs> I can totally see why. But um, if the weather's bad, like, you know, it's much it's nicer than life. being in a tent. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I find there's something like really nice about bothies and actually like quite kind of, I guess, it's really easy to like romanticise them in your head anyway. Like yeah. It is essentially just a basic old building. That's, but um, then it's that or it's camping in the elements. And sometimes if there's a storm outside, you kind of do want to romanticise the idea yeah, of it. Totally. And it's like, you know, it's it's really nice because you just like you can meet like you meet really like you know you meet other people in them and sometimes you're there on your own but other times there's other people and you know you tend to meet nice people so do they have like hot water and cooking facilities and or is it just literally like a <laughs> no. <laughs> no I mean they'll have the water source will be a stream outside um and the you know the, the bathroom will be there's a spade and make sure you don't dig <laughs> anywhere near the water source um yeah I mean it's, it's very basic but but I mean, yeah, like, the, you know, they sometimes will have a fireplace, um, but you should really, you know, you should bring your own fuel. And I certainly wasn't carrying logs around with me. So, um, yeah, but sometimes you get there and somebody else has got the fire going and that's great. Um, nice. And then- tell me, tell me more about the kind of characters you met then. So obviously there's this one hero who had a Twix. Did any other travellers sort of stand out on the journey? Yeah, I mean, there was some like, yeah, I mean, I met like lovely people like all along the way. I um. I mean, there was one guy who I met on the hills quite near the start that him and his friend were doing the same route as me, but in the reverse direction. And where we were, there was kind of only like one place that if you wanted to go to the pub afterwards, that's where you would go. And we kind of spoke on the hill for five minutes. And then we're both like, oh, the three of us were like, oh, yeah, we're aiming to get to that hotel for dinner. And I was like, yeah, yeah, me too. 
And so we're like, oh, we'll hopefully catch you there. And yeah, ended up having dinner with them. And then actually one of the guys, he stayed up, he was staying up in the, in the north for a while. And we actually did another hill together a few days later and then did a bit a few days after that we did like another couple of hills and so like that was just like a genuine like friend who I met along the way Um, and then yeah just so many like nice experiences and sometimes you know there were some people who I met who'd maybe like had come across I don't know like I met someone who they met me and they were like oh we were actually looking out for you and I was like how do you know who I am and they're like oh because we met we met this other person in this bothy and they'd met you before and they looked <laughs> out for you because they thought you'd be around here and you're like this crazy girl who's climbing the Monroes on your own <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a little network going on though definitely yeah. yeah and just like I mean yeah some of the people you meet in bothies like there was one day in particular that um I was in the Cairngorms and I actually had had friends with me that day and it was such a grim day it was horrible like the weather was awful and like the Cairngorms are among like some of the highest of the Munros and in fact that day we were doing um Briariac which is the third highest or the fourth highest and like yeah so we were doing like a really high level traverse um and actually there was four of us at the start but two of them went back because I think it was a Sunday and I think they had to go back to go back to work and then the other two of us carried on and um and then we got to this bothy that's called Karua that's in the heart of the Cairngorms and it's it's a really small little bothy but where it's located it's really popular because it's like it's just such a good location and we got to the bothy and we were soaked through and we were cold and you know (laughs) day and then we met these lovely there were three guys there who were, I think I think they were from Aberdeen and they were in and they had a bottle of rum and like and they had some tunes <laughs> nice. playing on their on their speaker and stuff and actually, we just got on super well and we they shared <laughs> their rum with us and like, we warmed up pretty quickly oh, I love that it sounds great <laughs> um what was what was it like camping outside then I imagine you spent well considering it was nearly four months a fair few nights in storms and so forth um, yeah. How exposed were you to the elements when you were camping outside? I mean, well, I guess, you know, like I kind of would think pretty hard about where I camped. Um, yeah, okay. I yeah. mean, I I really liked, like if I was on kind of like longer, like trips away from my bike where I had all my camping stuff, like I really enjoyed going for like a summit camp or something if I could, but obviously that wouldn't necessarily be possible. Like if it's like really windy or something, Um I think I mean I had a few times I'm also I'm not much of a morning person and I definitely if I woke up and it was raining and I was in my tent like rain always sounds so much worse on your tent if I woke up and it was raining I'd be so grumpy and I'd be like nope I just don't want to go (laughs) I had one day actually that I'd like um I'd camped up the night before and I was quite high and uh it was pouring like the next morning was just it was so grim and I was like I'm just not going anywhere and I just stayed in my tent and I read my book and um and these other guys came past like out hiking I think they kind of came by at about two o'clock in the afternoon and I like stuck my head out my tent and said hi and they're like oh you've got the right idea setting up camp already and I was like no no I haven't even left my tent yet today <laughs> so, so I, good I did leave my tent that day and I did actually get out and I climbed, I think I climbed two Monroes in the end, but like it was a, it sometimes, was a short you, sometimes you've just got to have that kind of like rest sort of day. Yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, glad to have my book. Like I had a Kindle with me and just, you know, the fact that you can have what a hundred books at your fingertips. That was quite. Yeah. Tough. Happily. Yeah. <laughs> and when times were tough, what did you think about or tell yourself to sort of keep your morale up? Um, I mean, I think it kind of depended 
what was making them tough. Um, So, yeah, I mean, definitely if I was somewhere that I knew that, say, the next day or later that day I might get to a pub, I'd be like, you can have a sticky toffee pudding if you get through this, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think, you know, obviously like weather was probably the the biggest kind of factor that could kind of make or break a day. Yeah, I Um, guess it does affect your mood so much. It's like we were saying with COVID and getting outside just boosts your morale sometimes equally if you're outside and it's constantly just miserable kind of brings you down a bit too yeah totally I mean I had I had Sundays I remember one day that was a really wet day that like you know I had my hood up. I was probably in all my layers and I had like all my hoods up and stuff and I actually I had my I, like I had music with me and I just I was listening to like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and just like blasting them out at the top of my voice being like there's no one around I'm gonna like <laughs> unleash my inner Britney which I'm a terrible singer so it's lucky there was no one around just stand on the top of a row and just like sing I would yeah, yeah. Be great <laughs> what was it like being alone with only your thoughts just for like four months almost four months at a time was that strange or did it actually it wasn't too bad it was fine and you quite enjoyed it yeah I mean probably probably the latter like yeah I did (laughs) I did quite enjoy it I mean yeah obviously you know like like anything there's times that I was seriously questioning my sanity and being like what the hell am I doing especially kind of once it was so in September like the weather got pretty savage and I was like really pushing it because I kind of had set a finish date that um was my great uncle was having an 80th birthday party and my dad told me about it and was like you know I assume you're not going to be done in time and I was like no I don't think so and then the next day I was out in the hills and I was kind of thinking about it and I was like actually that's like three weeks away like the hills are actually much closer together like if I really push it I think I can make it that's a good motivation thing as well you're like okay yeah and I think by that point I was kind of like well you know I was like really well conditioned and like you know I was pretty strong in terms of hill walking and like you know it's like I was never going to you know, I'm not quick, but I can just keep going and keep going. Um, and then, yeah, like I sat down one morning and just like got out all my maps and was like, right, okay, is this possible? And then I was like, yes, it's possible. It's going to be tough, but like, um, Drive. And then, yeah, <laughs> it was a big motivator. And then I booked myself a mega bus from like, um, Glasgow down to London because the party was in London on the Sunday. And I like said, I was like, right, I'm going to finish on Saturday and then I'll get this bus. But I was also like, but the bus was only 15 quid. So yeah. I just sleep the whole way back. <laughs> one of yeah. those ones. Definitely. Yeah. Um, did you make it for the party? Yeah, made it yeah, to the party. Yeah. It, well done. it was uh, it was quite surreal. It was so surreal actually, yeah, because I like finished on the Saturday and I was so tired. Like, cause I I think the last like three days I was just like I was like I think I had Zombie. about three hours three yeah. hours sleep in the last three days. Like I was totally up against it. Like I was climbing Monroe's at three o'clock in the morning and it was snowing and you know, it was kind of it was very strange. But yeah, like I actually got like really excited, like the penultimate night and I was out in the hills and it started snowing and I was just like I took some videos on my phone and I just like, oh, I'm so excited, but I was probably a little bit um, delirious. Yeah, delirious <laughs> is probably accurate. Um, what was the most dangerous part of the whole journey for you? Um, I actually think that the last night was probably the the worst. Like in terms of, I was just yeah, like as I said, like super tired. And I remember I'd done um, so on the. So basically there was a massive storm on the Wednesday and I actually had to like, you know, there was weather, weather warnings out, like the winds were up to like a hundred miles an hour. It was the kind of day that I was like, I don't even want to go into the mountains. Um, but I did go, but I only climbed one of the hills, whereas I'd like wanted to climb three that day. Fair enough. But I had to turn around, like I was like, I can't 
like I, yeah. can't physi- I physically can't stand up in it um and I got like I'd got soaked so I then got like I was kind of you know going into like mild hypothermia and stuff it wasn't oh, wow wasn't so that's fun. really scary um yeah so I mean at, at that point I was like it doesn't matter if I don't finish on Saturday like I just need to get off this hill and get into dry clothes and warm up and whatever um but then it just meant like the next day was like big and then that's the one that I then kind of did one two two hills during the day like and quite a lot of cycling in between and then yeah the, the two in the night that then had the snow on them and then I think I got about four hours sleep or maybe three hours sleep and then I did five hills and then I had a bit of a cycle and then I set off for the last like so they were the penultimate four hills that I set off for at like maybe about nine o'clock at night like it was dark it was raining it was grim and I like I made like stupid off the first one. All I had to, I got to the top of it and all I had to do was turn around 180 and retrace my steps. And I'd like made a really stupid navigational error and I just kind of like went off the wrong way down the hill. And then I was kind of like on my way down and I was just like, saw some lights that I hadn't seen on the way up. And I was just like, hang on. And then I checked my map at that oh. point. And I was like, why have you gone the wrong way at this point? And, you know, so I retraced my steps and whatever. And actually it was only kind of, then I did another one and like it was just like it was dark it was wet it was windy I was cold and I then like I was on some ground that's kind of a little bit treacherous like in the daytime you probably wouldn't think anything of it but I was getting this was another time that I'm kind of getting in the like hallucination zone and I was like absolutely convinced at one point that I like could see a crane that was building a bothy it was what I was like (laughs) seeing in my head and I was like oh they're building a bothy I can go to that you know what you wanted like intuitively your body just wanted to rest and it's like yeah they're building one for me now oh there was wow. a coffee there I eventually I think at that point I then kind of because then I started kind of like looking at my map and actually you know there's quite a few like not not cliffs but like rocky ledges and stuff that actually you know if you fall down like it could end up being quite serious so I actually then at that point was like right it was I think it was about four o'clock in the morning or something at this point and I just actually I had like you know emergency bivy bag with me like a little foil blanket bivy bag thing and I crawled into that and like sheltered next to a rock for about an hour and a bit until it started getting a little bit light and then I was like right now I have to go 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 because I still have two (laughs) two hills to get up to and then like a 15k cycle to then get to the last one and stuff it's just a bit like yeah so that was probably the most scared I was actually was just kind of actually yeah when I was at the point I was like I'm hallucinating and I'm actually not in very like I'm not in like totally safe terrain Um, yeah for sure um, you crossed the Cullens Ridge on the Isle of Skye with two teammates, Ed and Aaron from the British Collective. Was it? Were you grateful to have the sort of companionship at this stage of the journey? Yeah, totally. I mean, it didn't quite, it didn't quite work out as we had hoped. Um, we had actually earmarked like the weekend before, and then the weather was bad, so I kind of did some more hills before we went on to Sky. And then yeah, they came up to kind of help me because the aim was to do like a full traverse of the ridge. And Ed, in particular, Ed's really good with like rope work and stuff. So like you know we've done the three of us have done lots of things together and it was just kind of going to be like a pretty cool like little mini adventure in the whole thing and you know do the do the whole traverse was the goal but actually the weather forecast said that the weather was going to be great and it, it just came in 24 hours too late so unfortunately we went up onto the coolings the three of us and did the first two Munros and then we bivvied but like we're totally in the cloud and totally clagged in 
And then actually in the morning, we ended up just being like, well, we're not really getting anywhere. And yeah. we came down. Um, and then the weather was really nice after that. And actually, like, one of the worst things is Ed then drove off Sky on the Sunday or whatever to go back down. To, like he lives down in Cumbria. And he said, as he drove off, like he just was like looking in his rear view mirror and like the clouds then lifted and he could see the whole crew. That's so frustrating. Yeah. And I was super lucky after that, actually, because I basically then just kind of, so I um, like had, I ended up spending like the best part of a week on Sky and I was kind of picking them off, like, because there's, 11 Monroe's on the Coolin Ridge um, yeah. so I was kind of picking them off like maybe doing like two at a time three at a time and then I had one day that I went with um like with a guide so he was because one of the uh on the end pin like you need to abseil down it so you kind of need ropes <laughs> um so you need you need a pal with you um can you just try uh describe the drop from like the end pin like how dangerous is it uh, I mean, I wouldn't fancy doing it without a rope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's so it's, it's, it's really dangerous. Only, yeah, I mean, it, well, if you fall off it, you probably would die. Um, I'd say definitely life changing, if not. Um, and I mean, that's the same with like a lot of the coolins. Like they're they're amazing, but there are like you know, there's serious exposure and the rock is actually really grippy so weirdly enough I had um the phone I had at the time was one with like a touch touch screen or touch ID bit for your thumb yeah um and actually after I came off sky my thumbprint didn't work on my phone for about a week after because like wow it's just from so much kind of hands-on yeah. on the rock and it's like really like rough like grippy rock that's um, mad um so you did it with a guide but how did that sort of change the experience for you I guess you could sort of relax and maybe just take it and everything you were yeah, doing a bit more. like it was actually it was really nice actually and I kind of because I had a bit of a because obviously the weather then ended up being really good so then like everyone who works on Sky like when the weather's good like they all get booked up straight away and actually you know probably most of them are booked up well in advance so I had a bit of a panic when when Aaron and Ed were going to have to leave and I was like well I need somebody to do the in-pin with and I was like phoning around like literally like I was just like googling like you know anyone on Sky that I could go with and I and then I ended up kind of speaking to one person and then they were like oh you might be able to do it with this person and I called him and this guy John he's absolutely lovely and he basically was like well I'm not meant to be working tomorrow because it's my brother's birthday and I'm going down to Glasgow but he's like but I could potentially do it in the morning if you're like happy to and I was basically like Tim I was like look like I'm pretty hill fit like I'm like okay with like heights and stuff and like um kind of explained to him what I was up to and like kind of what my experience was and stuff and I was like if like you know I was like ideally we'll do these four but if you need to go and we're like not going quick enough like I just need to get the in-pin done and the other ones like I can I can come up and down and like do it from the valley and you know just not go along the ridge and that's fine and and he was like okay cool well, we'll like start early in the morning and I was like oh early like I'll find start early so I kind of was like are we going to start at, what 4am or something he's like no, no no how about six I was like oh okay um, yeah, and we we got it done and it was fine and actually we had a great day and yeah like it was so nice to just be like oh well I don't need to worry about the navigation side and like John knows his way like he knows everything like the back of his hands here and it was it was a really good experience actually and I kind of I felt like I got to kind of learn a lot from him as well because actually you know just in terms of um so I've got my mountain leader and just kind of like in terms of trying to do like thinking about doing like work within the mountains and stuff it's just really interesting to like watch other people and see how they like keep you safe and stuff so it was, yeah. yeah it's really interesting definitely good to learn off somebody like an expert um I bet you were so relieved when you managed to go up there as well <laughs> yeah like I actually had on the the last hill on the Black Coolins like whenever I was at the top of that I'd kind of I did the last three together that day and the yeah I mean I was on my own but they're still kind of um 
there was basically there's one bit on the ridge that if you want to kind of link those three together there's a bit that you really should abseil like it's kind of it's really awkward down climb so if you don't have ropes like and I've kind of gone up there being like I'm going to go up because I've got to do this hill anyway and I'll have a look at it and if it's not okay then I'll just go back down to the valley and go round and you know it's like adds a lot of ascent and a lot of effort on but at the same time I was like, I'm not prepared to fall off the mountain um, and actually I was, I was really lucky because I was kind of I got chatting to these two people who were doing a traverse of the Cooling Ridge and they had kind of stashed their bags further back, but they were kind of going along to tick off the last one and then they were going back to their bags. And I had a whole chat with them about this down climb and stuff. And they're like, yeah, it's not too bad. And then they're like, hang on, we're going to be coming back in like a couple, like half an hour or something anyway. So why don't you just wait at the ad point and you can jump on Aww. our rope and upsell down. So that's what I did there. And that was actually, yeah, great. And nice. yeah, I just stopped like my, the last, the last hill I was on, in the Coolins was um, Britain Freeth, and I don't know if I pronounced that right, but <laughs> it was just beautiful. And I was like up there, and it was kind of like in the kind of evening light, and you know, like you could see like all around and sky, like when you can see on sky, like you know, you're it's an island and you're surrounded and you've got the other like Hebrides and you can see the islands, you can see back onto the mainland, you can see all the mountains and there was something just kind of then like looking around and seeing like the whole Cooling Ridge and being like, yeah, I've like climbed all the Munros on this. Like that was pretty cool. Like That's an epic um, moment for you. Yeah, just, like, it was really visually good. tick it off in the distance. Yeah. Did you have any moments where you felt like you couldn't keep going on the trip or did you ever have moments of wanting to give up almost? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, there were a few. I think the one that stands out, there was one, um, so I was in Glen Etive, which is just off from Glencoe. So it's actually, it's where they film Skyfall. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So it's like, it's where Skyfall was. Yeah. Um, but I remember I was in there and I just had had like, I think three days in a row of constant rain and I was just like everything was soaked and like you know I was like in my tent and it was raining again and I had to get up and I was just like I just had a bit of a meltdown like in my tent that morning and I was just like I think if somebody had arrived with a car and said you can get in the car and be finished I would have been like yeah but then I just kind of I got to the point that I was like great I'd like to quit now but actually I've got to cycle 20 miles to the closest train station and by the time I got the 20 miles to Bridge of Balky, it was like well actually um, you know I've kind of dried off now and yeah. I got, got out my credit card and booked a room at a hotel and hung all my stuff up to dry and then went off and climbed some more hills and then I felt so much better. How many nights did you have spent sort of camping and in boffies before you actually checked into your first hotel? Uh, so I think I did 10, 10 or 11 nights, I think, until my first night in a bed. And that was one actually that was, uh, it was actually after the hills that I said where I met those two guys who I then had dinner with in the restaurant. Nice. Okay, yeah. And weirdly enough, because they were staying in a, um, they were staying in a hostel, like just down the road from that hotel. And they were like, oh, I'm sure you can just come and like check into the hostel. And I was like, great, I'll do that. But then we got chatting to some other people who were at the table next to us and told them what I was up to and stuff and they were some mountain bike no not mountain bikers they were on motorbikes um and they were doing the north coast 500 and they were up from like I think they were from like Newcastle or somewhere down in the northeast and then they were like they're like oh actually we've got a spare bed in our room like we've got a family room and there's a top bunk that's literally sitting so lucky. Like, you can have it if you want and I know some of my friends are like I mean that's really weird you just stayed in a room full of like these men that you'd never met the night like um but yeah. actually you know they were so nice and I got like I I probably yeah I was probably in the bathroom for about an hour like washing all my clothes in the shower and stuff and then like going to bed that was like yes <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um I remember reading online that you got you like developed a nasty infection in your finger 
Um, how long did it take to recover from that? And if it had happened earlier on in your trip, do you reckon it would have stopped you from completing your journey? Um, I think that's quite a good question. Yeah, I got a pretty gross infection. I don't know what it's, I can't remember what it was called. Um, acute paronychia, I think. Um, but I think basically what it was, was just, I was really run down. And at this point it was like wet every day. And I was wearing, you know, I was wearing gloves cause I was getting cold, but then my gloves were always a bit damp. And I think it was kind of like a combination of that and being super run down. And like, yeah, like this finger just was like so gross. It was so painful actually. Like it would kind of, wake me up in the night throbbing and stuff um but I was quite I was really lucky because um funnily enough Andrew strikes again so he's the guy who I met on the hills who then came and joined me for some other ones yeah so he was he was a doctor and he was coming to join for some of the hills down just north of Loch Tay like Ben Law's group and basically the day before he was coming to join I kind of was like cycling along and like took a photo of my finger and was just like I think I'm gonna need your help here like um maybe I can like borrow your doctoring and um so he said he actually I think he brought me some like local anesthetic stuff to um do I mean antibiotic yeah like like antibiotic cream yeah and he was like brought me some of that and then actually when he saw it he's like we need to get you all antibiotics like you need to like actually take antibiotics so bless him he he took me to a pharmacy and because he's a doctor he was able to write me a prescription and then give it to the pharmacist because I needed like that strength of that was really lucky yeah (laughs) and I think because I think otherwise like it just it wasn't healing um and I mean body must have been so run down yeah like I mean at this point I I was probably about a week or yeah, it was probably about a week out from finishing. And so, I mean, at that point I was like, I'm, I'm carrying on, but um, yeah, it was, it was really painful. And I was kind of taping it up with like putting plasters over it and stuff. So I wasn't getting it more infected, but it was, it was pretty grim. Fair so, um, um, and I wanted to talk to you a bit about the British Adventure Collective in more detail. How does one become a part of the British Adventure Collective? Like, how did you get into that? And tell me about what you guys do. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's still kind of, I feel like we're always kind of uh, trying to work out exactly what, what we're trying to achieve <laughs> with it. Um, so it's still kind of a, a fluid concept. I think we've got kind of more of an idea. It basically started off, so it's kind of four of us who are friends. In fact, it was the four of us who did the adventure race in Wales I mentioned. Um, and then just kind of more as a, like as a forum to try and like share um share kind of what we were up to and like what there is out there that can you know that you can do and it's kind of yeah I mean I guess largely you know what's available like adventure wise in the UK but also then kind of a bit of further afield and just kind of um yeah I mean I I'm so bad because I'm definitely meant to have written uh more than one blog and I just um have got I don't know how many half written blogs on my <laughs> that Aaron like yeah he's so cross me about it and I'm so bad for it because I'm just like I don't know I hate whenever I reread what I've written I'm just like what is that um but <laughs> So that's part of it, but also just, you know, kind of just sharing like imagery and, um, yeah. and just trying to like, you know, like hopefully as well, I think, you know, kind of like longer term and stuff, it's definitely to try and have a bit more of a platform that, you know, we can kind of share the mistakes that we've made along the way, but also then just trying to like, you know, connect other people. And um, so we're also trying to um, run some weekends and things just so people can kind of get a bit of a taste for adventure and that's kind of some of those so um ed kind of takes the lead on some of these adventure weekends that um so we ran some 
not in 2019 um, in the summer. And then obviously COVID's kind of screwed all the plans up for this, you know, last summer. Um, but I mean, they were kind of just slightly off the back of what we did when we first met in terms of when we were training for the adventure race. So, you know, we kind of spent like a weekend that we would go and we'd like mountain bike in the morning and then go for a hike and then do an abseil and then maybe like do some paddling on one of the lakes or yeah. something. So it's kind of a, a weekend that you can kind of get a real like, yeah, a feel of like try a load of different adventure sports and just kind of see if you enjoy it and stuff. Um, yeah, and then I'm kind of going to do some some weekends like up in Scotland, like kind of wilderness stuff that's, you know, just trying to, yeah, kind of share like my my like love of Scotland and obviously like the experience I've kind of gained in Scotland and like I'm so I've got um mountain leader so it's just kind of yeah to try and like kind of use that and yeah hopefully kind of share and show people some of the awesome places that are around. Awesome I was checking them out online I was actually quite keen to sign up for one can anyone do them or do you need to have like a certain level of fitness to qualify are they no, I mean, so we're kind of, yeah, I mean, the aim is definitely to kind of have a few like different options on there. So, you know, like there might be some that are kind of more like anyone just come along and try it out and see what you see, how you enjoy it, see what you think. Um, I'm certainly thinking for some of mine, I think I'm going to try and like do a few slight like different, like, you know, like maybe like if you've done this, then like this will be kind of the perfect level kind of thing. And just, yeah. And you mentioned the sort of um, photography work and you're also involved with film festivals. <laughs> Um, do you guys shoot your own content when you go out or does someone else do it for you if you feature in it? No, How does that work? So so Aaron in particular, like he's a he's a really good photographer. Like he's actually like um a freelance photographer now. That's kind of his his career. Um so yeah, I mean it's obviously it's pretty cool like when one of your mates is a good photographer that yeah. you just kind of go out and do stuff. Sometimes it's a bit weird because it's just like, oh, just go and do that. Like, and sometimes you just feel a bit like, really? Like, am I just like posing here? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, cool, I mean, you know, like obviously just kind of some of the imagery and stuff just to kind of share that and like, you know, have more scope to to actually show people what's out there and it's much more, you know, visually striking. Yeah, like, you know, especially since you go to such incredible places. Yeah, and then with um, for Project Joe too, so we put a film together for that, and that's kind of what you mentioned about the film festivals, and that was, um, yeah, like working um, with some other guys who just kind of um, Aaron knows them through work initially, and they're videographers, and they kind of heard the story, and they wanted to kind of yeah like um, make a film out of it, so um, it was quite quite cool, like the kind of. Yeah, they joined me for uh, the last, about the last week. And then we went up to Scotland specifically the following summer to kind of go and get the, the glory shots, I guess. Tell me about your adventure up Kilimanjaro with your sister. Why did you guys decide to go here? Um, yeah, Kilimanjaro with my sister, that was cool. That was... Um, when did we do that? Uh, October 2016. And that kind of came about because we went on a, like one of those like once in a lifetime family holidays to Kenya um, back Amazing. in 2009. So with my parents and my sister. And it was just like, I think it was, you know, it was my parents' 25th wedding anniversary, my mum's 50th, my sister's 30th and my 21st. Like, you know, we kind wow. of basically like any, any big event that was within the kind of two years around that time, we're like, yeah, this is what we're going, you know, this is a big trip that that's kind of um and yeah i remember like when we when we did that trip like we uh we were in one of the national parks i think in savo national park um which is quite famous for elephants and we were like so lucky you know we saw like elephants and stuff but then like kilimanjaro is like there in the background and um 
me and my sister basically kind of made a pact with each other at that point. We're like, we'd love to come and climb it one day. Um, and so, yeah, then um, fast forward quite a few years and I had um, randomly, I had two weddings in Africa, like a few weeks apart from each other. So I had one friend who was getting married in South Africa and then two weeks later, another friend was getting married in Kenya. Yeah. Um, and kind of when I got the dates for those, I was like, right, I want to do like a good trip to Africa. And I kind of said to my sister, I was like, look, I'm going to be in Africa in like October of 2016 like let's make Killy happen like it's a good time to do it because we both work like seasonal work as well so yeah, it actually works like really well like in terms of interseason time to do it so um, perfect what a good it lined up really so, well yeah so we lined it up and made it happen it was great I mean I actually I was really lucky because I got to I um hiked Mount Kenya as well like a few weeks before so I kind of had Mount Kenya as a bit of a like warm-up and then and yeah. then Killy after which is uh, that's so yeah, good who do you draw inspiration from or who's your biggest role model in the adventure world? Do you have oh, one? Oh, yeah, that's a really tough question. I think um, I I feel like I get inspiration from like a lot of different places. Um, I think, you know, kind of obviously social media, you know, you can find a lot of a lot of people doing really cool things. Um, I listen to quite a lot of podcasts actually and just kind of, especially if I'm like out on a run or something, I tend to just kind of like listen to podcasts and I love hearing what people get up to. So what's the next big adventure on the horizon for you? Oh, I mean, yeah, like that's a tough one. Like um, I've got a lot of things that I'd like to do, um, but I think kind of at the moment, I feel like I'm kind of planning things that are maybe... Uh, uh, we'll be able to do without like a lot of leading kind of just kind of waiting to see how restrictions yeah. ease, what's what's possible and stuff um yeah I mean I'd really like to do um I'd like to do the Wainwrights in the Lake District um I mean there's 214 of them I've not explored that much the Lake District but um so I would I would fancy that um it's funny though because I kind of am also a bit like I don't really want to just tick off hill lists (laughs) but still you know you're good at them it's it's a funny thing though because it's like I'll happily go up the same hill again and again um so kind of there's part of me that's like a bit like oh you know just kind of going up a hill for it being on a list is I don't know um and yeah I mean so I'm hoping kind of this summer well yeah assuming that we can kind of travel a little bit more and stuff like I'm kind of planning things I can do in Scotland um because I'm based up in Edinburgh so I really want to do the Cape Wrath Trail at some point in the summer um yeah I mean I'd quite like to do some kind of bike packing like mountain biking and stuff um but yeah I don't have particular like I'm gonna go and climb all the Munros or whatever you know uh slightly see see how things pan out and uh yeah and what's on your bucket list that you haven't ticked off yet Although I think we've just listed some of the ones on the bucket list, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> Is there any have. sort of dream one? Uh, I mean, I'd love to go to South America, um, like particularly Patagonia, um, but also I'd, I'd really like to climb Aconcagua at some point. Um, so I think that's probably up there on bucket list. Um, I we went and tried to climb Mount Elbrus in Russia a few years ago and we didn't summit. So I'd really like to go back and kind of, and actually get to the, to the roof of Europe. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Um, and is there anything? And the Matterhorn. Climb the Matterhorn. <laughs> That's definitely on the bucket list. Cool. That would be so good. Uh, is there anything you want to give a shout out to before we wrap up? 
Um, I think, yeah, just kind of maybe keep an eye out for the Project 282 film, which we're launching quite soon. It's going to be available online relatively soon. So kind of watch watch this space. How can people find it? Like, what's your website? Um, yeah, so BritishAdventureCollective.com um, or else I'm on Instagram at Adventure Scotty and it's uh, British Adventure Collective on Instagram as well. So we'll kind of be sharing on, on those Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, Emily. I look forward to following the adventures and your film online. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really nice to chat. You too. Thinking of Peace is brought to you by Maybe Ski, a Whistler-based adventure ski company creating bucketless ski trips across the globe. If you're looking to get off the beaten track and away from the crowds, head over to maybeski.com to discover what lies beyond your lift pass.